0: Sorry, For keep forgetting my mics muted.
1: <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Linode. Do you need a Linux server for your latest creation? Then check them out. They provide SSDs, 40 gigabit per second network connections, and top-of-the-line hardware to run your server on. It deploys Linux in seconds, From the Linode Cloud, and you can choose your Linux distro and node location right from the manager. They have locations in Asia, North America, and Europe, and they have a sweet set of tools to make it easy to manage it. If the web interface isn't your thing, they also have an API and a command line. So definitely go check them out. They also provide two factor authentication, IPv6, DNS manager, cloning, scaling, and everything else that you want. So definitely get the most out of your Linux node and check them out at Linode.com. And check them out at devchat.tv slash Linode.
0: Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to JavaScript Jabber. Today, we will be having Tyler Rennell and discussing machine learning. Let's dive in with our hosts, Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. (laughs) That was awesome. Amy Knight.
2: Hello from Nashville.
0: (laughs) And our special guest, who might be a robot, but is probably a human, but we won't be able to tell if his research (laughs) has been successful, Tyler Linnell.
3: Hey, guys, from Portland, Oregon.
0: All right. And with that wonderful intro, let's get started. Tyler, tell us what's up. Machine learning, JavaScript, robots. When is Skynet coming active?
3: Skynet is already (laughs) happening. Um, so okay, so this is gonna be a a big transition from I mean, your your listenership is JavaScript, but I think everybody's got an eye towards general major kind of uh, progressions in technology. I mean, a lot of people play with uh bots and Arduino and Raspberry Pi and all that stuff, but the new hot thing right now is machine learning, and I'm sure your listeners have heard a little bit about it or seen various blips in hacker news about progress in machine learning and all that stuff. It's kind of the next frontier of technology in general. Um, And it's a little bit maybe unrelated to JavaScript, but there are, you know, you can enter the, you can enter the fray by way of JavaScript, which I'll get to in the, in the future. But, um, machine learning is, like I said, machine learning is the next wave of technology, um, in a very, very large sense. So, Uh, in, you know, the first generation of computing technology was that we programmed the computers physically to do specific tasks. Um, the, the second wave of computing technology was that we built programmable computers. So general purpose, um, architecture that allows us to write programs that, you know, we can write these programs where we tell the computer to perform a specific task, but the computer hardware is general purpose. And then this, so that's that second wave and this third wave. Um, that we're coming on is that the computer programs itself, artificial intelligence. So you tell it a goal of what to do and various things about how to tell how well it's doing, gauge its own performance, and it'll figure out um, the, the intermediary steps, how to get from point A to point B. And so there's a lot of discussion about sort of um, economic automation and certain jobs that are kind of on the line because of, uh, progression in machine learning technology. And sure enough, like as a, as a web developer back end, front end, anything designer, um, logos, anything in, in technology, our jobs aren't safe either. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of automation coming down the pike by way of machine learning. And so we, it's something to just keep an eye. It's, 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 Kind of on the horizon. The next big thing that I, th- I think that a lot of developers are sort of switching over to
0: so real quick. Can you just give me a distinction between machine learning and artificial intelligence? Are they synonymous? Are they different? Are they the same?
3: Yeah, so Um, they're, they're very similar. Um, okay. So machine learning is a sub, a subfield within artificial intelligence. So artificial intelligence will define it as automating mental tasks, mental, mental processing in any capacity. Um, of course the end goal of artificial intelligence is artificial general intelligence where an AI can perform any task. Narrow AI, A N I, is an artificial intelligence applied to a specific tasks like self-driving cars, image recognition, natural language processing, and stuff. So, artificial general intelligence, AGI, is an AI that can perform any task. And then, and then we get into sci-fi artificial super intelligence is when it takes over the world. Um, and there are very there are all sorts of sub sub branches within artificial intelligence. There's uh, image recognition and vision there is uh, natural language processing speech processing all that stuff there's robotics it has to physically be able to do things um there's planning and then there's machine learning and so machine learning is the capacity for your ai to learn new things so you wouldn't think of vision necessarily as a machine learning task it either sees or it doesn't um so it's 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 it, In a, you know, previously machine learning was its own specific sub branch of artificial intelligence. It was just simply the capacity for the AI to learn new things. Um, More and more machine learning got its tendrils in the other fields of AI. So um, now we apply something called convolutional neural networks to vision um, image processing, which is a machine learning algorithm. And now your robot learns how to see over time. We apply it to natural language processing by way of an algorithm called Recurrent Neural Networks, LSTM, RNNs. And now it learns how to process speech, how to respond to sentences, chatbots, stuff like that. Um, we apply it to planning by way of something called Deep Q Networks. That's the, the really kind of crux of, I think, the marriage between artificial intelligence and machine learning, really where they intersect. Um, and uh, a whole subspace called reinforcement learning and more and more basically machine learning is taking over all of artificial intelligence. It's like this. It was a circle within AI that has been growing bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where now the outer circle of AI is almost the same size as the inner circle of machine learning. So anybody wanting to tap into the space of AI and get, in, you know, get involved in that uh, future is going to be um, entering the fray by way of machine learning.
0: So I'm gonna throw so, another word.
2: Uh, I'll, I'll, Amy go first. Yeah, I wanted to clarify, can you know, because I hear um neural networks used all the time. Can you um give people a, a definition of that? What that means exactly?
3: Yeah, so machine learning. Uh, So, so, okay, so let's, let's talk about those waves of computing technology again, that second wave of computing technology is kind of what we're in currently. And we're going through this awkward, you know, transition phase from wave two to three. That second wave is we program a computer, tell it what to do, and it does it. And that's what we are as JavaScript developers, for example, Uh, certain tasks. Are, I'm just going to kind of start from the very beginning of machine learning and work my way up to neural networks, because they're kind of at the, they're the apex of machine learning technology, certain tasks. You just cannot program. You, you just can't program. And when I think of programming, I think of a bunch of if else statements. So for example, if you want to predict the house of a, of a, the, the price of a house in Salt Lake city, you're not going to say if it has a, you know such and such bedrooms and such and such bathrooms and such and such square footage, you'd have way too many, if else. Uh, statements, and you'd still be within a ballpark, you wouldn't be able to come up with an exact number. So you just use math, you use statistics, something called linear regression, which is an algorithm that comes straight from a statistics uh, textbook. You, you pipe in a, a spreadsheet of a bunch of houses with their various features, we call them, such as number of bedrooms, number of bathrooms, square footage, and their actual price, the thing that we're trying to predict. And then you pipe it into this linear regression algorithm, and this algorithm adjusts some weights within it. And then now you can use it. This what you call a model, your linear regression model, in order to predict, uh, like you're looking at a, a new house now, a different house on the market, predict the cost of that house given its features. It's kind of coming up with an average of things in houses and what that represents in its cost. It's being able to take uh, um, uh, an example and make a prediction. And this is statistics. So this is just pure statistics. So the first sort of uh, run at machine learning was implementing statistics models straight out of the stats, textbooks in code, um, and, uh, being able to program sort of fuzzy, fuzzy situations. Um, when your programming task, isn't discrete, can't be performed with if else logic, then you implement one of these statistics models. And now you have fuzzy logic that, uh, that now you have fuzzy logic. Um, that was this kind of first, first wave of machine learning, We've call, we call this shallow learning or linear models. Um, it was very limited. And that's, I think, why machine learning wasn't very well known or popular amongst developers for a very long time, because it was limited to very simple tasks, like I just said, uh, predicting the, the cost of a house, which isn't that attractive of a, of a task. Um, when we wanted to do something, some, some bigger tasks like image recognition, facial recognition and images, natural language processing, uh, standard statistical models didn't apply well to these circumstances. And machine learning engineers would hard code so much of the logic in their code and, you know, intermingled with 10 or 20 different statistics, statistical models. And it was just ugly. It wasn't it wasn't elegant and it wasn't as powerful. It wasn't very powerful. It was it would only work under a, um, a handful of circumstances because the the situation that they were trying to um, that they were tackling would be so complex, such as figuring out the sentiment of a sentence, whether or not somebody, something somebody said is happy, sad, angry, etc. um well a big innovation happened and this is called deep learning now uh machine learning itself is very old it's from the 1950s this is world war ii stuff and uh it was i mean one of the one of the pioneers of all this too would have been alan turing and you know he was a believer in in the prospective artificial general intelligence and all that stuff so he came up with the turing test that we're all so familiar with and um so it's from the it, machine learning goes, dates back all the way to the fifties It's very old and deep learning is actually pretty old as well. But um, something happened in recent times um, where we kind of realized that we've come to a, a, a head with data availability that, you know, this is the whole big data movement. Um, computing technology with GPUs, graphical processing units, which are so substantially more powerful for machine learning-oriented tasks, um, uh, data, GPUs, and software. So they actually, you know, um, sp- Jeff Hinton uh, was one of the big pioneers of of breakthroughs in deep learning technology, and then Google DeepMind has has built a whole bunch of stuff. So innovations in the actual algorithms themselves, the availability of data, and the hardware. Um, made uh, deep learning kind of as a field explode. And now we don't use these old shallow learning algorithms that are sort of brittle and handcrafted. Instead now, what we do is we stack a bunch of those shallow algorithms together into a network. So we just take a handful of logistic regression units, for example, that's from the old days, just grab a handful of that, squish it all together into what's called a neural network, it's just a network of st- statistical algorithms, and and what's inside now is you pipe in an image, and out comes a uh, you know like a cl- uh, image classification. This is this is a dog. Pipe in a new image, and out comes cat. Pipe in a new image, and out comes tree. Um, what goes on inside of this is sort of what's sort of like a black box to the human. They understand the, the components, what we call the neurons, the individual neurons being these shallow learning algorithms, like logistic regression, for example, but they don't understand like the whole, they, they, all they know is that this glob of stats, equations glued together is sort of of like uh, is is performing very complex tasks and it looks a little bit like a brain. In fact, um, the, you know, very roughly the architecture of a neural network uh, was inspired by the human brain, like McCulloch and Pitts way back when. Um, and so it's very, it's very magical. One, it, it, it does, um, it does all, it, it does its stuff kind of, tra- uh, you know, under the hood as a black box magically two it somewhat looks like a human brain so there's a lot of sort of philosophical questions there and then like i said the, the main reason that we're hearing about this now is that this stuff was for the most part impossible in a in a prior generation maybe 10 20 years ago and due to recent developments it is now uh, very much possible to see so that's a neural network I think joe did you have another do you have a question aj has got a
0: question mm-hmm. kind of related so what I didn't hear you say is genetic algorithm.
3: Yeah, so there's still, there's still like a lot of f- uh, frontiers to be explored in artificial intelligence. And one of those very promising frontiers is genetic algorithms. M- machine learning and artificial intelligence is a world of research and experimenting with various algorithms. When you get involved in ML, um, you're going to find that – You're basically trying, you know, 10, 20, 30 different algorithms for your particular task, all, you know, fine-tuned with various hyperparameters. So you're just trying a bunch of stuff. Um, And, you know, the, the, the job of researchers is uncovering new and promising algorithms that you can try. And one of those algorithms is genetics, which is that, you know, your machine learning model tries a handful of, uh, of, you know, of however it can, however it can solve a problem, uh, takes, uh, takes the ones that seem to be in the lead and throws away the ones that are losing and then creates genetic mutate permutations, um, on the, on the winners and, and, and repeats just like evolution. Um, it is a promising one, but right now, uh, neural networks, They actually the way they work is you you pipe in a bunch of information um, Like a like I said a spreadsheet of housing features and their costs and it it sort of deliberately learns to adjust its parameters um, Based on the data. So it's it's very it's a lot more deliberate than 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 evolutionary algorithms genetic algorithms you could imagine like if somebody were deliberately designing biological species by trying some that worked and, you know, throwing away the ones that definitely don't have a future and keeping the ones that do. Whereas, you know, evolution itself is a lot more accidental and incident, you know, like it incidentally works.
0: So what you're saying is we could actually get to humans in only 165 million years as opposed to like 13 trillion years.
3: Exactly. You could be a lot more deliberate, um, and fast by using, you know, yeah, by using what they call, uh, back propagations gradient descent, learn, uh, training, training and learning mechanisms. Okay. So let's, let's distinguish between a handful of things. So we distinguish between artificial intelligence and machine learning. Machine learning is a, a field within AI and fast becoming the dominant field in AI. Um, Uh, data science and machine learning. So those are two words that are often interchanged and and confusing as well. Data science is kind of the general field of working with data as a programmer. And that can be, that can be as a database administrator. It can be as a data analyst looking at charts and graphs and designing charts and graphs using three, you know, uh, D three JS and whatever you, whatever you have. Um, or it can be as a machine learning engineer which is taking the data and making predictions or, or um, choosing actions. So machine learning is a field within data science. You're a data science engineer if you are a machine learning engineer. Um, <laughs> so that's the distinction between those uh, various fields. Machine learning is also sort of a lot of people just consider it practical statistics. There's three math. Three fields of mathematics at play in machine learning. They are st- uh, statistics, calculus, and linear algebra. Um, calculus is used for the learning phase. Linear algebra is sort of used under the hood for all the computation. But statistics is sort of th- – it's it's the, the um, cookbook of your machine learning code. Uh, whenever you write a, whenever you implement a model, you're implementing a statistic, statistics algorithm. So statistics and machine learning are, are practically the same thing. Um, uh, you know, very, very little difference. And okay. So I want to talk about, so why, why should people care about this as a JavaScript developer? Why should I care about machine learning? Um, the big, the big thing is that we are looking towards a future of uh, automated economy. And it's looking very likely by way of artificial intelligence. So everybody knows about the self-driving car that is going to potentially displace so many truck drivers, taxi drivers, all that stuff. And that's kind of the poster child of economic automation. I mean, this stuff has been happening forever. You know, fact, you know We've been building sort of robot factory workers, and that was all um, handcrafted. Now we are, enab- now we're empowering ourselves with something that isn't handcrafted, but has the capacity to learn how to perform any task under the sun. Um, and so, so many jobs are potentially at stake here. One, 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 for example, is radiologists who, you know, assess an X-ray and decide whether there's like a, you know, something, something, um, that the doctor needs to look at. Well, m- Convolutional neural networks, for example, can scan these x-rays so much faster, so much more accurately. And so there you know—there goes a chunk of a radiologist's job right there. And it's just like eventually it's just going to chip bit by bit away at the economy. And as a programmer, the things that machine learning does best is sort of digital tasks, taking in pixels and coming up with a classification, taking in words and coming up with a sentiment. Um and, you know, our, our jobs are digital, uh, recurrent neural networks and natural language processing. People are already experimenting with generating code using GitHub as its corpus, for example, and RNNs are you know, they're not creating functional programs yet, but they're getting close now, of course, with programming, you know, a single semicolon can screw up everything. So you can't get like 95% there with a statistical model. Um, And have a functioning piece of code. But the fact that it is, you know, at that point, we're looking at something, you know, close to 95% of a functional app means that there's a, you know, there's something to, to kind of look at there in, in our future as developers. So... My point is that, you know, why should you care as a JavaScript developer, as a web developer? And the, and the reason is that, you know, it's coming for your jobs. It really is. But there's also going to be a lot of job opportunity in machine learning um, in the near future. So you do yourself a favor by starting to learn this stuff now. Um, there was a there was something on hacker news that said like how, you know, how various frameworks and languages and are performing compared to prior years and react JS jumped to the top of the, of the lists, the king of all king of all anything ever right now. Um, you know, JavaScript is up there and and Python is up there. Well, machine learning went up, you know, these all went up maybe one or two points in the last year or two machine learning went up 10 points and you know, Nestled itself in it like fifth place or something a huge jump, which is, you know, portends the the near future So it's it's something that everybody needs to know a little bit about and you know Ideally consider even, you know exploring as a as a career a career choice in the future. Any questions so far? Well,
0: I'm the more philosophical one I think so I am concerned with the ethical implications like For example, I think one common case that many people are familiar with is the self-driving car sees a black woman with a white child and an elderly person crossing the street with a uh, construction zone uh, cone and a pothole in the road, and someone's going to die, and it has to choose which one.
3: (laughs) Right, right. I I don't... I don't know what, you know, like, so I've seen that I've seen that like philosophical conundrum kind of put out there. I don't, I don't know that we'll ever find ourselves in that situation where a self-driving car has to kind of choose between who it's going to kill. Um, it's I, yeah, I don't know how to address that, I guess. Um, it's like the, if you, you, that's kind of zoomed in at a very kind of micro level. If you zoom out, at the bigger picture of how many people are dying on the road because of humans, like it's, it's just a, it's just a win, a net win to go self-driving cars because they're, you know, s- you know they use these models that have high, a- higher accuracy than humans can, can achieve even sober and at their peak, you know, besides.
2: Oh, sorry. Like I, I was going to chime in though too. Like I think as scientists, like, yes, that makes sense. Um, Cause uh, like, I feel like, AI and like blockchain, those are like very popular things right now. So I've been digging into um, blockchain and, you know, like we can make the scientific argument that it makes more sense to, um, you know, move towards this kind of currency. But like, is government going to step in and make that not happen? Like, would the same thing happen for AI? Because like, how is our economy? Like, this is like a super huge issue, but it's kind of like to AJ's point, you know. um...
3: Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Like already, you know, I don't know how much people have been keeping tabs on self-driving cars in California law. They've just been, you know, it's been a big battle for, for Google and Tesla and all those people to even get their cars on the roads because of, because of, uh, regulations. And so it's a conversation that's happening and you know, that's, that's a little bit out of my jurisdiction as an engineer. Um, Definitely, uh, Elon Musk is like warning the government about the coming economic automation. I mean, it's just gonna. Who knows what's gonna happen? But it's very real. It's a very potentially real near future that so many jobs may be automated. And what does that entail? Does that does that mean that we should move towards um, uh, minimal? What is what's called a minimal minimal basic basic income? Basic income, yeah. Universal basic income. Or will it create? You know, when with the dawn of the internet and all the jobs that it displaced, I think we didn't think so much about how many jobs were displaced in that process. But look at all the jobs that it created. All of us here have jobs because of the thing that displaced jobs. Will that happen again now with the with the AI uh, revolution? So there's definitely there's plenty of philosophical uh, conversations to have about this. Um, one thing I always like that interests me is that, uh, America specifically likes to have these conversations, um, about like what, what should and shouldn't we allow, uh, while China just plows on through with technological innovation. Um, that's another thing kind of worth philosophizing about is keeping an eye on China and their progress, like CRISPR, for example, um, America has been struggling with whether or not we should should use um, uh, genes, gene editing technology, a very popular one called CRISPR. While we're having this conversation, China is using it willy-nilly. Um, they're they're developing AI uh, technology at a rapid clip, faster than America is actually. Um, so it's just something to keep an eye on.
1: Do you ever have issues crop up in production that you don't see in development? Do you even know how your app is performing in production? Performance, errors, and analytics to figure out where your app is bogging down are important to keep an eye on. You could try one of those error tracking apps, but why not use a tool that does it all? Try Datadog. Datadog tracks performance, collects data on your errors, and provides you with the information you need to improve your user's experience and fix bugs without having to log into the production server and dig through the logs. What if my app spans across multiple servers and services, you ask? Datadog seamlessly collects metrics from every corner of your application, including services like Amazon AWS and systems like Redis. So whether you want a clear view into your application's performance, need to be notified of new errors, or to keep track of your application across various services you use, use Datadog. If you go to devchat.tv Datadog and start a free trial, they'll send you a free Datadog t-shirt.
3: So, okay, so jobs, jobs and automation. Let's talk about languages and frameworks. The main language that is used in machine learning engineering is python so very Wait, are you saying that we're soon going to see a machine machine learning js framework to replace react and angular <laughs> yeah okay so so wix.com the the you know the website builder um they've been working on a an on an automated website just an automated website builder. You just tell it what you want instead of dragging and dropping. Yeah. And so it'll, it'll actually design, it'll create images, it'll create, uh, you know, front end code, all this stuff. And it's based on like natural language processing. From what I understand it, you'll, you'll like upload a handful of images that you like and say to say a few things. I want something like this or that, the other thing, and it'll just build you a website using neural networks. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, so we're, yeah, we're, we're getting, we're getting there. The grid.io. Yeah, that was another one.
2: I, I should probably chime in too, but like before we go too far, this is something you talked about on a different podcast, but uh, like you pointed out how, you know, we have this like huge influx of junior developers and bootcamp graduates. And um, like, this is not going to be the case because uh, you really have to have like a strong foundation uh, in math, whereas, um, you know, like potentially a lot of these people who are coming out of boot camps are more like liberal arts and stuff so if they wanted to get into this they'd really have to back up and um you know dive more into math so if people are interested uh like where do they start there
3: That's right so let's let's talk about machine learning um sort of barrier to entry so just like you said javascript I think of javascript at I, I honestly this is, is going to sound really um I don't know cocky or something but I think of Web development as like the waiter position of our generation, um, like anybody can join the fray i I was uh, my wife was working uh, on some front end stuff for a while while we were traveling. She just you know just jumped into the fray um they've got these boot camps, uh, they have code school, code academy, anything you can learn online and stuff. you can get up and running so fast with web development, especially front end, and I think it's made possible. Uh, especially by way of the frameworks that exist like react and angular they really ease the pain the burden of getting uh, the barrier of entry um, but anyway the point the point is that you can get up and get up and running and actually get a job re, uh, pr- pretty easily in web development by comparison to many other fields one of those fields being machine learning indeed machine learning is a very tough nut to crack um, the uh, the frameworks that exist today, the main one being TensorFlow, for example, very much ease the burden of getting started with machine learning. Um, but but understanding what's going on in machine learning requires a lot of mathematical background. So you know you can follow one of these tutorials for training an image classifier using a convolutional neural network on TensorFlow. Um, and you can implement this in, you know, 100 lines of code and, and you know, wipe your hands and say, look, I did it. But you will, you just won't, you won't understand what you're looking at. It'll, it'll sort of just be, um, it'll be just be a different language to you. I think a little bit more so than copying and pasting some boilerplate front end code. I think you'll know where you can kind of hook yourself into to make changes in, in front end code, not so with machine learning. So you have to have a little bit. So machine learning is the hard track. Um, What I usually recommend is people get a very high-level overview of machine learning. Um, I have a podcast myself called Machine Learning Guide, and it's just like a – you're just flying over the forest and kind of like looking at the trees before you sort of land down and start walking through the forest. Um, It's kind of like reading all of the chapter. Titles and chapter summaries of a textbook before actually starting to read the textbook, get a high level overview of the fundamentals, um, and then start trying to code, play with these different machine learning models. See if you can build something that may, you know, you know, uh, feel like you feel like you're actually doing something with your hands. And in the background, start reading, start, start learning the, the the real hardcore fundamentals. And that's going to be the math, the, you know, the mathematics, it's going to be calculus one, two, and three, uh, linear algebra and statistics. And like I said, statistics is the real, the real meat of machine learning. If you, if you ever took a stats course in college and you felt like you did well, um, then you have everything you need right there, um, to, to succeed in machine learning. Um, so you can get started coding in, in machine learning with one of these high level frameworks, but I do think, I do think that it will, the, the, the barrier to entry will ease in the near future because of the popularity, the rising popularity of machine learning in the same way that that the rising popularity of web development, I mean, we saw these like different waves of, of web development accessibility kind of started with like, well, it started with, you know, jQuery and all that stuff, but, but really popular there for a while was content management systems and like everybody could create a website. Um, and then we started creating these frameworks easier and easier and easier over time. So like backbone, for example, I thought was a lot more difficult to use than, than Jake, uh, than react and angular. Um, you sort of held your hand a little less. So I think in the near future, we'll see that kind of stuff happen with machine learning as well. Right now, it's very hardcore barrier to entry, but potentially in the near future, that that barrier will lower. And I, I've actually already seen a little bit of that at play with a framework called Keras, K-E-R-A-S, which is a layer that sits on top of TensorFlow and like basically reduces boilerplate. Um, so it, it's just like less less code, more bang for buck, but still uses TensorFlow. So we're already starting to see that at play. Um, But that would be my recommendation for getting started with machine learning would be my podcast, Machine Learning Guide, which um, I'll give you guys the link. And the... um, there's also a book called The Master Algorithm and it has an audiobook version of it too and it's like a very gentle introduction to the popular the popular algorithms that are used. And then the and then when you actually do want to get started when you decide yes I do want to me- be a machine learning engineer or at least I want to have like the very basics in case that time comes, the Andrew Ng Coursera course is the most popular introduction to machine learning period. It's the best it's the best starter um, uh, it's the best starter. So the Andrew in Coursera course I'll put all those, li- I'll send you guys all those links. So yeah, definitely it's, it's almost so, so it's, it's something that I would recommend everybody keep an eye on and start to learn almost like trickle, like, uh, you know, start, start getting a little trickle of this stuff as much as you can day by day, maybe, maybe have like a daily routine of, um, you know a half hour a day or 10 minutes a day of reading one of these resources don't just up and decide to switch careers right now because as it's like i said it's it's got such a heavy barred entry it's going to take you about a year i think before you feel fully competent enough to start applying for jobs or working on your own personal projects Um, so don't drop javascript and pick up machine learning uh do, do a slow transition
2: That's smart. Um, Oh, man, I must have whatever AJ has. (laughs) Uh, So the I think I picked it maybe last year, the Grokking Algorithms book. Uh, It actually has like the final chapter gets into uh, machine learning a little bit. And it was a a great um, just like one chapter intro on things to get started.
3: Grokking Algorithms. I'll have to check that out. I haven't seen this.
2: I mean, it's, it's a very, very, very basic explanation, but I feel like, uh, like I read through the book and then, um, just that one chapter, uh, kind of intrigued me enough to buy another book on it.
3: Nice. sounds like good interview prep material too. Um, the, uh, oh, I wanted to talk about, uh, like sort of degrees and certificates. So like I said, In web development, you can, you don't really need, you don't need any schooling. You don't, you don't need a degree to get a job in web development. Um, I think that was a controversial statement for a, for a while, but I think more and more we've all kind of come to that consensus in machine learning in the, in the recent past, it was kind of, you had to have a PhD because most of the positions available were research roles. Um, more and more, the available positions are becoming engineering focused. And so a master's degree has become sort of the go-to degree. Um, In the very recent past, uh, they're sort of even lowering the gate even further. So you just need a bachelor's and some self-teaching. So I wouldn't, my point is, unless you plan on becoming a machine learning researcher, I wouldn't go off and get a PhD. Definitely not. And you And, you know, think long and hard whether you need that master's, if that's something you're even considering, you could probably get by with a bachelor's and, and a lot of self-teaching on this stuff. Okay. Languages and frameworks, since this is a JavaScript podcast. So, uh, the main language used in industry is Python. The different, different angles of data science use different languages as their primary language. So the, the analysts, People who are doing kind of, you know, looking looking at the data and trying to understand it tend to be R people, the language R. There's also, you know, there's plenty of Java people around. The researchers, in my yeah. experience, tend to be, you know, a mixed bag of C, C, Java, R, and Python. And then the engineers are just, you know, 95% Python, just a hugely, hugely in favor of Python. And the the Result of that is that the libraries and frameworks available to you as a machine learning engineer, you'd be doing yourself a favor by by using Python because then you can use these frameworks. And the most popular framework out there is called TensorFlow, written by Google. There are some other competitors. One is called Torch or PyTorch. Another is called Cafe. Um these deep learning these are deep learning frameworks that sort of apex of the machine learning evolution that i talked about earlier there's also shallow learning uh frameworks for smaller smaller tasks they call them linear tasks stuff that are a little bit less complex there's a uh, there's a library called scikit-learn for that so these frameworks what they do that that is important i mean they don't just you know uh reduce boilerplate in writing machine learning code the, the main thing that they give you, the main benefit they provide, is that they execute the code you write on a GPU. And a GPU gives you like anywhere – like up to a 1,000 times performance boost over a CPU. It's like, it's like blockchain and Bitcoin. It's, um, I mentioned this in, in the Ruby Rogues podcast. Um, a lot of people who mine block, uh, Bitcoin or altcoins, they just turn their CPU off because it's not even worth it. It's not worthwhile. Compared to their GPU doing all, of the, doing all the heavy lifting, in machine learning, it's the same. The GPU is so much more powerful at machine learning computation using you know linear algebra and this thing called uh, – especially in TensorFlow, this thing called automatic differentiation, which is the back propagation part, the, the, the uh, learning phase, and it uses calculus that it's when you look at the difference between how fast your code executes on a GPU compared to a CPU, it's not even worth, it's not even worth throwing at your CPU. It's, you know, it's, so, uh, you want to use one of these frameworks because they give you that out of the box. Um, where otherwise you'd have to kind of, uh, do that, do that yourself writing, writing, jumping down to C or C plus plus in order to somehow execute your code on the GPU. Um, so Python frameworks, uh, TensorFlow and PyTorch do this automatically for you. You write your, your machine learning code in Python and it converts it to C code that executes on the GPU. Um, and for a while there, you know, Python was kind of your only choice there, but recently and I'm glad that we had this uh, podcast today rather than a you know a few weeks ago. Um, a couple of frameworks made you know Hacker News front page in JavaScript that use the GPU. Um, so in the past, there were JavaScript frameworks for machine learning and deep learning, but they executed on the CPU. And so it was more it was more for proof of concept and playing around than actually anything production production ready. But recently, a framework came out called TensorFire, um, and it takes your Python TensorFlow model. So, you write a model that you train to recognize images in Python, you export the model, and then now you can import it into JavaScript and run it with TensorFire. So you can make future predictions using this JavaScript framework. So that's a little bit handicap, right? you You write it in Python and run it in JavaScript. That's kind of cool. But then something even cooler came out called uh, Deep Learn Js, and that's by Google, who's also you know the creator of TensorFlow and that you, you write your code, you write your model in JavaScript, you run your model in JavaScript, everything's in JavaScript. So that's the, that's the main, uh, JavaScript framework to keep an eye on. If, if you want to sort of go the alpha route of experimenting with machine learning on JavaScript, it's going to, it's so it's called deep learn JS. But if you're, if you just want to you know, if you want to just build something that works and you don't want to mess around because, uh, you know, sticking to the most popular framework being TensorFlow and Python, not only gives you the benefit of, um, I mean, th- there are so many other benefits going to be like you know, job, uh, you know, job market availability, there's more jobs on the market in TensorFlow because it's a more popular framework, uh, documentation, resources, modules, books, all that stuff. So my recommendation is if you can stomach it, learn Python. Um, if not, then check out BrainJS. Any questions so far? No.
2: <laughs> that was a hard no. Yep.
3: <laughs> Do you guys you guys know about the singularity, I presume? Aj AJ. Of I, I course. Feel like. We love sci-fi. Okay.
0: <laughs> I'm actually part of the Singularity.
3: Right. <laughs> your your avatar looks like it.
0: It's a conglomeration of deep dream images on Google search combined into the perfect male figure.
3: Oh, cool! There you go. It's it's there's deep learning right there, deep dream. So you're one step ahead of the game. So yeah, sci-fi is another reason that's bringing people into machine learning. Is you know the one is sort of it's coming for our jobs. We've better you know if you can't beat them, join them. Um, two is just you know it's a promising future job opportunity. Like never mind all that philosophy. I just think it's going to pan out well. But then three is people who come to the field. Basically, they're inspired by the opportunity that machine learning uh, brings to bear. And it it just brings up all of these philosophical questions. We're talking about, you know, consciousness and um, the singularity and all that stuff. So the singularity for those that don't know is the idea that at some point, you know, if you if you look at our imp- progression in in technology in the past it it seems to be that it's trending towards like a polynomial graph or an exponential graph and if that's the case there may come a time where it just kind of shoots off to infinity trying to reach this asymptote there's in other words there may come a point where technology is just is just like we don't even know we don't even know what comes next we're no longer in control and sort of the obvious the obvious candidate for that sort of spiral out of control would be artificial intelligence, obviously. And the champion of this concept is a guy called Ray Kurzweil and a book called the singularity is near, and it's a little bit tinfoil hat in the development community. Like some people believe it and some people, you know, are neutral um, and some people think it's ridiculous. Um, But it's just, it's, it's there and it's completely feasible uh there's discussion around consciousness as you know whether whether artificial intelligence can be conscious and you know at first glance a lot of people think well obviously no but if you really dig deep into cognitive science and what we think to be what constitutes consciousness that you know that becomes less and less clear to you um that's actually my favorite that's that's my favorite sort of what brought me into the field of machine learning was this question of consciousness. Um, and, uh, so, you know, major authors, there are going to be Daniel Dennett and one of the picks, one of my main pick is going to be a whole series on whether AI can be conscious. Um, yeah, so there's, there's, there's tons of sci-fi and philosophy that sort of drives people into the space. And I, I think that's very magical. So, you know, Web development is a very empowering field. Being a JavaScript engineer allows you to be, you know, work remote and make a lot of money and you can pick this stuff up pretty quick. Um, But unless you're working for a company or a project that is very rewarding and, you know, fulfills sort of some inner motivation, then it's not a very magical experience compared to working in the space of machine learning. The stuff you're doing is is just so sci-fi. It's very rewarding. Um so there's just a lot of incentive to enter this space. And that's all I have unless you guys have questions.
0: Well, does anyone have questions?
3: No. That was
0: like so much info, my brain's hurting. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I for so my little my story is, you know, I was a web developer, my whole professional career. And like I said, before the podcast started, um, JavaScript Jabber was my number one favorite podcast of all time that I listened to. I listened to it from the very beginning up until about like a year ago when I finally stopped. And the reason I just I fully switched over to machine learning. Um, So I'm, you know, I'm very much a JavaScript enthusiast. I love React, React Native. Uh, came from Angular, um, you know, Node on the back end, Electron, desktop, and all that stuff. But I, I made a hard switch in about, about about a year ago, where I decided I'm just going to keep up with the, the bare necessities to stay employable as a JavaScript engineer, and focus almost entire the entirety of my kind of learning time, curriculum time on, on machine learning engineering. I find it very rewarding. Just the, the work one of the projects I'm working on right now is sort of stock market prediction using reinforcement learning. Which is something that you know, you know, uh, researchers have, have been doing this for a while, and high high frequency trading and all that stuff. And it's just it was so. I'm using a framework called Tensor Force, which is reinforcement learning on top of TensorFlow. And it just you, you snap your fingers, and this thing can predict when to buy and sell stocks. Like it's just so that would have taken me, you know, hundreds, thousands of man hours to code in the past. I'd have to study um, you know, technical analysis and stock market indicators and finance and all that stuff. And you just tell your bot, learn to buy and sell, you know, good is when you have a lot of money, bad is when you don't have any money go. And it just, it learns it all for you. So it's a very rewarding, magical experience. Highly recommended.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I wonder about what machine learning will mean for like globalization, because when you talk about stuff like a self-driving car, it seems pretty innocent, but like, I think about the way that we deliver certain media to certain people. I think there's, there's been some stuff recently about, um, you know, like Facebook algorithms and such, and the like habit forming addiction, forming, um, algorithms to, you know, take people's most valuable assets from them, their, their, their time and their attention. And, like crossing cultural boundaries and like pushing ideas and ideologies on people that machines are determining based on some soup of information, like what ideology is the ideology that should be pushed in front of people. And then, you know, it's global scale because it's internet cloud scale, whatever. Uh, This is, this is the kind of thing that goes on in my head more about the the, the moral implications than the technological implications because I know the tech technological impli- implementation, implication blah, 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 blah. that word I'm trying to say we'll get there but
3: uh, yeah, yeah you you seem like someone who would like the book uh, super intelligence by Nick Bostrom if you've ever read that
0: I will put that on my list
3: check that one out that's that's a, a negative view on the coming revolution whereas ray kurzweil is a you know the exact opposite positive view on the coming revolution some people are a little bit more neutral and they say stuff is going to happen but we'll adapt but yeah this is going to set into into play something that is going to be very different for us and we're going to have to adapt real hard it's going to happen fast is you know the difference between this uh, innovation and in technology in prior generations is that this wave is going to happen fast. And so we're going to have to adapt fast. Um, I'm thinking like, you know, so like back to stock market, I was thinking about that when I was coding this thing up is, Oh, now anybody can be, you know, write a high frequency trading bot. Like anybody can do that. What is well, it? And, impl-
0: and then the bots are going to influence the stock prices, perhaps more yeah. than the company's value or the, um, the market need.
3: And that could cause a start. Like, could we cause a stock market crash with this? They're, they're going to be using, I mean, like this, the, these tricks that these, these high-frequency trading bots can learn are sort of maybe tricks that aren't in the textbook of technical analysis for by by financial people. It'll learn new tactics. Um, they're going to be competing against each other. It's like, you know, it's, it's proper game theory at play. These bots are going to be fighting each other on the stock market like they're playing a game. And we're going to be kind of like, we're going to have to hold up our hands and step out of the picture. And what's going to happen to the stock market? <laughs> is, is it safe?
0: Yeah. Well, I, so- I, I'm just very concerned with any type of centralization or globalization like that. Because a lot of people see things like, for example, Bitcoin as decentralization because they don't understand what decentralization really means. Or I don't, one of the two. But you, know, you, you create a centralized power where everything follows the same set of rules and you don't have diversity. Anyway, but uh, it is time to wrap up and we'll probably just cut some of that garbage I introduced because I go on tangents. So thanks, Tyler, for coming on the show and was really excited to hear all of that cool stuff. We need to go ahead and get into picks.
1: This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Are you searching for a new job? That can be stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through the interview process just to find out at the very end that the salary, offer, or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Hired is the world's most intelligent, talent-matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering, development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. We make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of when and how you connect with compelling new opportunities. After completing one simple application, top employers apply to hire you. And on Hired, you receive personal interview requests and upfront salary information so you can make informed decisions about what opportunities to pursue over a condensed timeline. Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want, to connect with is totally up to you. And we help you find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. Open to relocation? Let them know. Your privacy and autonomy in your job search is of utmost importance. And if you go check them out at the show's link, that's hire.com slash JavaScript Jabber, you can get double the hiring bonus that they offer. That's $600 instead of $300. So go check them out at hire.com slash JavaScript Jabber today.
0: So we'll go in alphabetical order today which means we start with, well, um, we'll go by my full first name, which is actually Alvin. so that means Amy goes first.
2: (laughs) I thought that was coming. Okay, let's see really quick here since I'm not used to going first. The first thing I want to pick is uh, this library called Include Media, like uh, probably the best way I've seen to do media queries. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes uh what else do I want to pick uh I had a couple things ready of course I want to pick November uh we were talking about this before the show I think by the time this comes out uh the CFP will be closed but you can still get tickets uh I highly recommend it like even when I didn't live in Nashville um I flew from Baltimore here because I love the conference so that will be my second pick and Okay, for a third pick, this is probably—I uh, don't know—it's kind of fun. So, some one of my coworkers sent me uh, a link to a Spotify shop, and this person is selling these phone cases that have these little, like, squishy 3D cats attached to the phone case that you can kind of like play with and pet. So, I don't know—it looks kind of fun. I might order one, and that's it for me.
0: All right. And then next would be me. So I'm going to pick uh, the Data Skeptic Podcast. I think it's cool. I think you should check it out. Very interesting. Some of the episodes are the shortest, like 15 minutes. Some of them are longer, like an hour, I think it is. And Guy just goes over different statistics or... I mean, he talks some about machine learning and deep learning and lots of different types of learning and data science of all sorts. and um, Sometimes even goes into current events, uh, like there was something, I don't think it made it to the podcast, but made it to his blog about looking at election results and, and why statistically, how, how something that's statistically unlikely can still happen and that's okay and it doesn't mean anything was rigged but it doesn't mean that anything wasn't rigged either, whatever. Um, just, I really enjoy the, the, the um, ideas that, that he has and the way that he observes data and looks at it and picks it apart and takes it in different directions. Uh, I'm also going to pick an old pick, an old pick favorite that we've all picked before, which is Ready Player One. Um, it is now going to be a movie as well in March, I believe. Uh, I have not yet watched the trailer, but I just discovered in looking for the book that the trailer, a teaser, is is now available. So I'm going to go watch that right after we get off. And Ready Player One is, I think, a very realistic look at a potential future that we could have where um, most jobs have moved online and everything in the real world has become automated and the gap between the rich and the poor becomes incredible across the entire earth. And it's kind of a dystopian novel, but very, very intriguing and a world I very much hope doesn't happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if it does. And those are my two picks. Then Joe. Joe's so silent, so soft and unheard. Sorry, For keep forgetting my mics muted. <laughs> All right. So I got one pick for you today since we were talking about this topic. And my pick is going to be the book "Everybody Lies" about big data. Been reading this recently and found it absolutely fascinating. So, I highly recommend anybody that's looking for a good book
3: to so check this one out. It's a great, great, great book. There we go. My Tyler. <laughs> Um, so the thing, you know, I, I got inspired, I actually got inspired to pursue machine learning by the movie, um, uh, ex machina. Um, but when I watched that movie, I thought, what is this, you know, is this a take on reality? Are we really this close with artificial intelligence? And I went on to listen to a series called philosophy of mind, brains, consciousness, and thinking machines by the great courses. And it is awesome. It is really good. Take on professional modern opinion by phd cognitive scientists on you know both on on both sides as to whether ai can be conscious and that was what inspired me to enter the fray of machine learning um you know i still you know the the jury's still out whether ai can be conscious but i i'd like to be part of that conversation so that's what kind of brought me into this space so i very much recommend um that that uh course
0: all right well Thank you all for joining today. Adios.
2: Bye. Bye.
1: Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot to learn more.